0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by America's Choice Windows, where you'll get 10 windows for just
1: $3,680. I had an email question come in regarding air conditioning. Is Goodman and Payne units any good? Look to replace both the compressor and the inside handling unit. Please advise. Okay, this is Jim's opinion now. If you're looking to replace an air conditioning unit, I would not be looking at a Goodman unit. And the question is always, well, why? They're, they're really inexpensive. I can, I, re- I can replace it for X. Yes, they are. And guess what? They hold up like they're inexpensive. If you're looking to replace a unit, get a good name. Brand unit, the ones who've been around for a long time. Look at the warranties on the compressors and things like that before you make your decision. Then keep in mind it's not the unit you're buying, it's also the installation you're buying. And so you need to have an installer who knows what the heck they're doing as well. And you know what? Most of your best installers, they're not messing with these units. They're sticking with the higher-end units like Carrier and some of those brands. And the reason for it, they don't want their name on these cheap units. Again, this is according to Jim. But I will tell you that in the industry, nah, they're they're considered bottom bottom of the barrel units. And just FYI, if you're looking at new air conditioning units right now, be looking at minimum of 16 SEER. Try to get up to 18. Look at the variable speed. Those are your units that are going to give you the most energy efficiency for your home. And that's what most people are looking for when they get a new unit, is to make sure it's energy efficient. Now, if you're going to be selling the house, you just need one that's going to cool the house. I understand that. But if you're going to be staying in the house, get one that's going to be energy efficient and take care of you. So that's, you know... Cheap is not better. And and there's three things. You, you know, you, you got you, you have people who say, I need it fast, I need it cheap, and I need it a, a great whatever. Whether it's a, a new air conditioning system a, or a remodeling job or whatever. You can't have all three. You can't have fast, cheap, and great. So what one are you going to give up? Clint, welcome to WBAP. How can I help you? Yes, you know how sometimes
0: the sun, sun shines through the window and you see all that dust in the air? Yeah. That you breathe? And you don't yep. know it's there? Is there some kind of filter system you can buy that you can, you know, filter that out? I mean, I change my air conditioning filter at least, you know, every two months.
1: Sure. You know? Uh, and what uh, are you running for a filter now? Just a one inch filter? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, one-inch filters are supposed to be changed every month. For every, every month. inch of thickness the filter is, that's how many months you can go without changing it. So if you've got a oh. a three-inch media filter, for instance, a pleated media filter, and that's what a lot of systems use now, you can go three months without having to change it. Uh, oh, I've so, been doing it here two months, so yeah, yeah, they yeah, you need, pretty you, dirty, too. You need to up that up, and instead of using just a fiberglass-type Filter, go to what's called yep. a pleated filter. Okay. And they make those where they've got, uh, you know, different microns as far as what can go through them. And that will help take out some of the stuff. Is it going to eliminate it completely? No, but it will definitely cut it down for you. Daniel, how are you? Good. Uh, That's okay. I have
2: kind of a dilemma. I have two lab sinks that are being used every day. And they're getting sewer gases up through the sink. And, you know, the P-traps aren't drying out. So would that go to a vent stack issue? No.
1: No, if the P-traps aren't drying out, it's probably not sewer gas that you're getting. Uh, the fact that you're using them every day, I'm betting that it's it's there's something down in there. You know, it, it's been growing molds and mildews and, and just nasty stuff in there that's giving off. That smell. So okay. So
2: just replace the P-traps.
1: No, you don't even have to replace them. Just clean them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, that that typically will get rid of it. Now here's some little tricks that I that I use to clean mine out. Uh, the first thing I do is spray scrubbing bubbles down in there. I use an old toothbrush right. to reach in there and scrub it out. Uh, that gets it flowing fast again. But then, if you'll use just some really hot water—not out of the tap, but literally water that that you boiled—and you want to be careful because if you got like a marble type uh, sink, if you put that hot of water on it, you can damage it. So you got to be careful that you're dumping it down in the hole there. But that hot water cleans everything out and gets rid of it, and that and typically will get rid one of the of those smell.
2: Smoke bombs. I was going to do one of those smoke bombs from the top. Yeah. To see if it was separated on, you know, the vent stack because yep. it could be coming from the walls too.
1: It could be, but it is really, really rare that that happens with okay. with uh, vent stacks. It, but let me ask you: is it PVC or cast iron plumbing? PVC. Yeah, I very seriously doubt that it's going to be in in the cleanout or in the vent stack i'm sorry
2: all right well that answers my question and i'll just probably you know the p-traps are so inexpensive i'll just probably rather than clean them
1: yeah you know just re-plumb it
2: yep and hopefully that gets rid of the problem
1: i i think it'll take care of it for you
2: i appreciate it jim
1: daniel you take care and he's right. They, the, you know, the, the, the P traps for under a sink, you know, twelve bucks or something like that. It is really inexpensive. But when you've got faucets that you use on a regular basis, you know, washing your hands and all that kind of stuff, it builds up oils and and uh, you know whatever you're washing off your hands in there, and it can start to give off some pretty bad odors, especially if it's the one that you're also draining the AC into because then there's always a constant supply of that uh, moisture in there as well. Hello, Tim. Hello. How can I help you?
0: Well, I might have a similar problem to one of your previous callers. Um, I'm getting hot water out of my cold water side through several faucets. Oh. And... I have to turn my shower to where I have very little volume coming out because the water is so hot.
1: Okay. And I'm
0: confused at what to do.
1: Yeah. So you're getting hot water coming out on the cold water side at several locations. Uh, And has it always done this? No, it just started about a month ago. And did you have anything worked on when this started? The
0: only thing I've replaced the the uh, kitchen faucet. Okay. But as far as now, one one other thing that I did in my shower faucet, uh, my wife likes to have hot water in her shower, so I I went into the mechanism and turned the you know how you can adjust the yeah the water. adjuster knob there. Yes. So I adjusted it to a hotter setting. Yeah. Could that have hurt something?
1: No. However, when the kitchen faucet was changed out, something okay. there could have changed. Uh, because it is possible for the water to cross over from the hot side to the cold side, and vice versa. Okay. And that's the reason I was asking if anything was done. Uh, is that a single-handle faucet on the yes. uh, kitchen sink?
0: Yes. There, am, everything is.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm here's what I want you to do. Go underneath and shut the valves off on on the uh kitchen faucet. Okay? And run your water in the rest of the house and see if it's working properly.
0: But here's and, the thing. It it worked fine after I installed that right. that faucet and then it just started later.
1: Yep. Uh but what can happen is if if a uh, valve or something messed up inside there
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. The
1: water can be crossing over. So if you shut the water off underneath that sink, you'll stop the the cross contamination. Okay. See if see if that clears up the problem in the in the rest of the house. And if it does, it just tells you that that faucet was bad.
0: All right. Well, that makes sense. Well, All I right. Well, Tim,
1: I've got to let you go. I got to take a quick break here. We'll be right back with more Texas home improvement. Uh, real quick, have a patio that we added to the side of the house poured six years ago that settles about two to three inches each summer and raises back up in the winter. Can you recommend someone that can stabilize this concrete? Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely I can. You can do it. If the concrete settles when it dries out and when it gets wet it expands and picks the patio back up, keep it watered. It's as simple as that. That solves a lot of foundation problems throughout Texas.
3: I have another question. Sure. I have a 20 inch tile in my house, and I developed a couple of cracks in some of those tiles uh, one in front of the sink and, and uh, two on the other side of the bar. Um, and I just wondered, uh, I've got somebody over there to give me an estimate to replace them. Yeah. Uh, they're not, uh, they're, they're just, a, just some fine cracks, and one follows the other uh, on the two that are behind the bar. Okay. I just wondered, uh, do I have to be worried about the the foundation cracking or just, is that normal?
1: It's pretty normal. All foundations are going to have cracks in them. Uh The larger area of tile you do, the more likely you are to cross one of those cracks. And what causes the cracks is concrete expands and contracts with temperature and moisture changes. That's the reason Uh driveways and roads have expansion joints. Yes, sir we don't put those in foundations and so we get those hairline cracks okay. They actually make a mastic that you can use for putting in the tile that has uh-huh. some elasticity to it Yes sir so if you see that hairline crack under there use that elastic type mastic yes, and sir. it should be able to handle it without cracking the tile again.
3: okay that's what that gentleman came to give me uh, to look to look at my tile and give me a uh, he was going to give me an estimate. And he mentioned some kind of uh, membrane or mat that you yep. he put her there. Okay. Okay, that's wonderful. Uh, that's a good thing.
1: Let's talk with Mary in Austin. How are you?
3: I have a question
4: about building a deck. Uh-huh. We have very sandy soil. And, of course, we have grass where we're planting the deck. And I've been told not to take off the sod or the uh, or the grass to just build it on top. And then I have also been told to get the grass off and put gravel before putting the, uh, the, before building the deck, which is the way to do it, best way to do it.
1: The best way is normally to go ahead and take the grass off.
4: And put gravel first?
1: Well, you can put gravel if you want, but you put, really you're wanting to just put something down so that gra- weeds and stuff don't grow up through your deck later. So, okay. yeah, you can use gravel, you can use one of those uh cloths that are for uh flower beds, you know, to keep weeds from growing.
4: Uh-huh.
1: Anything to keep the grass from growing up through there.
4: Okay, even though the deck will uh, impede the the sun from shining in that it, area.
1: It does, but you would be amazed at what kind of weeds will try to grow <laughs> up through those things.
4: No, I'm I'm well aware of it. <laughs> Thank you so much. So take the grass or take the sod off. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Thank
3: you.
1: Bye-bye. You're welcome. Ken and Tom Ball, welcome to Texas Home Improvement.
3: Thank you. Thanks for taking my call. You your bet. I want to ask a question about uh, metal roof versus composite roof. Okay. Or and different types of metal roof. So I guess the metal roof is going to last a lot longer than the composite. In-
1: in general, it does. Uh, it lasts a lot longer. Uh, however, if you get a hailstorm, which I know isn't that common, but if should you get a hailstorm or something like that, it can ding up, and insurance won't necessarily replace it if all it got was dings in it. They'll say, well, it's still serviceable.
3: Well, it, it's relatively common around here, actually.
1: Where, where are you at?
3: Up in Tomball. We okay We get hail. yeah the I mean, further north you go common, the more it, common
1: it becomes
3: it does occur
1: <clears throat> yeah well small hail though is not gonna not gonna affect it uh you really don't have to worry about it till you start getting up like the baseball size hail
3: okay and uh if i go with a thicker metal does that make the difference make a difference
1: well, it, it helps on the longevity of it, and yes, how what kind of damage would occur. I mean, the, the heavier the metal, the bigger hail it's going to take to damage it. Okay.
3: And then I know they've got, like, I think it's an R panel and then a standing seam.
2: I
1: personally and prefer standing seam.
3: Is I guess that's a lot more costly, though.
1: You know, I don't know that it's a lot more costly, but it, it's a lot less problematic for leaks.
3: Because you don't have the screws yep. going through the metal?
1: Yeah. The screws, they do back out, and periodically you have to go up there and re- redo them. Tighten them? Okay. Yep.
3: And just one other question for you. Sure. Um, gutters. They've got those, uh, I guess they're uh, gutters that you never have to maintain, supposedly? Yeah.
1: Leaf guard, uh, things like that. Gutter work- max. I'm sorry, do those kind
3: of do this kind of gutters work really work
1: yes they do they're very they're very expensive, but they do exactly what they say they're gonna do the The water goes into the gutter, the leaves go over the top the the way they're designed okay. uh so yeah, if you're in an area where you' got a lot of trees and stuff, well yeah. worth looking at,
3: okay, and it works on both, like pine tree needles and
1: leaves. well. Now pine tree needles, uh, they can still get down in there, but not. I mean, if if the pine needle is rolling down sideways, it stands a chance of going in because they're so small. If it's turned endways, it's going to go right over, just like the leaves do.
3: Okay. Okay. Well, I do have a pine trees, so maybe that's something to keep in mind. You okay. know,
1: I I be honest with you, I, I need still. To talk to if if you if pine trees are the only type of trees you have, I probably wouldn't spend my money on that type of gutter. But if you've got oak trees and or magnolias and or you know whatever any other type of leaf type tree, then it's worth looking at.
3: Yeah, I've got both.
1: Yeah, okay. then it's worth looking at.
3: And then if you do get a metal roof, then I would not need to have a radiant barrier. Is that correct?
1: Well. A metal roof will help uh, as far as being a radiant barrier type situation. But the thing to remember about a radiant barrier, what it stops is the heat transfer. When the metal roof is sitting up there and getting the direct sunlight, it does heat up. So if you've got a metal or if you got a radiant barrier under it, any heat that does, you know, any time that metal does get hot, it would stop that heat from coming through into the attic space okay so you need both I, I, and I will tell you in my own house I have two radiant barriers I've got the plywood with the metal radi- on it mm. and then I've got a, a radiant barrier that lays on the attic floor so yes I do get heat into the attic uh, a little bit from from the, you know just normal stuff but then that second layer of radiant barrier stops it from getting into my insulation and living space. So yeah, I I do recommend it because it's so cheap. It's cheaper than insulation typically.
5: Right. And with that,
1: I got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Texas Home Improvement. Julia, welcome to KTRH. How can I help you?
4: Yes, sir. I have a question about the root barrier system. Yes, ma'am. I want to know when it's installed, where is it installed at? Is it like up against the house or or where?
1: Usually, you want to keep it at least two foot away from the house, so if foundation repair's ever needed, there's room to go in there and do it but uh you know it depends on where the tree's at and how close it is to the house
4: Wow, well I got a huge oak tree, and uh already have foundation problems, but um I had the um sewer system rerouted, uh-huh. But I still have a little, you know, problem. But anyway, I was just wondering uh, and is it ever too late to to install root barrier? No, and and it and you need to know how far the tree, like the big tree, is from the house.
1: Yeah, because I mean, if the tree is only three or f- three or four feet away from the house, a root barrier is probably not going to make a whole lot of sense. But if the tree is, say, 10 15 feet from the house then, yeah, you put the root barrier two, three, four feet away from the house. That severs the roots, keeps them from growing back in, and allows the moisture levels in the soils to increase under the house, keeping it from, you know, getting worse.
4: Right. Wow. And and the big <laughs> I mean, thing I is... I able to do it then. But anyway, okay, well, I appreciate your information.
1: Thank you. You bet. You take care, Julia.
4: Thank you. Bye-bye. And,
1: and and the big thing with root barriers that a lot of companies don't realize, if you put piers on the outside of a house and the initial foundation problem was caused by the trees around the house, hey, those trees aren't still going to be taking the moisture out from under the house, so eventually it's going to pull the middle of the house down. A root barrier would keep that from happening. If you first take care of a foundation problem when you see it starting to move and it's being caused by a tree a root barrier will correct those problems usually. So the sooner you do them, typically the less problems you're going to have with the foundation. The other thing a lot of people always worry about is, oh, it's going to kill my trees. And i got to be honest, I've never seen a root barrier kill a tree. Now, you know, I've really only been putting them in for about 35 years, but I've never seen it kill a tree. Lynn, how may I help you today?
2: Yes, please. I want to know... um... When you turn your hydrant on, you, catch, you normally kitchen your hydrant or, uh, and you get a pop or a thump that appears to be coming through the pipes. What is that?
1: And it just does it once?
2: Um, Sometimes when you turn it on, even when you turn it off. When you turn it off swiftly, I don't mean you just gradually turn it off. You turn it on, you get your water, you turn it back off.
1: Right. Yeah, When you turn it, so when you turn it off, is it doing the thump or when you turn it on? I've seen it both ways. Well, it sounds like you got a water hammer, and what a water hammer is, you know, all our pipes have these little risers, and the riser has air in it, and the reason for that air, when you shut a faucet off, the water will slam while that air absorbs that slam rather than the water just beating the heck out of all the pipes. It very rarely does it when you turn water on, but it can happen, so this is a real simple fix. Shut the water off to the house. You know, find oh. the main valve and shut the water off to the house. You may have to go out to the meter to do it. Okay. Open up all the faucets, including the hose bibs outside. Drain your pipes completely. Yes. Now go turn all the faucets back off. Turn the water back onto the house and go to the faucet furthest from where the water comes into the home whether it's an outside hose bib or inside, doesn't matter. Whatever one you can find furthest away, turn the water on, and that lets all the air blow back out of the pipes, but it also puts air back into those risers, and that should fix your problem. Oh, my. Well, okay. Now, if you don't want to do it that way, you can call a plumber, and he's going to come out, and he's going to say, oh, my goodness, we need to install all these little things, and it's going to cost you $685. You don't need to do that.
2: Well, i say. Well, I'm glad
5: you were there, sir.
1: Well, then I appreciate you calling in. And Bless your
5: heart. <laughs>
1: thank you, sir. Take care. Barbara, how can I help you today?
5: I'm fine. Thank you, Jim. And thank you so much for taking my call. The reason I'm calling is I have a few jobs like cleaning my gutters of putting the stripping back on, the, on a storm door, uh, greasing the garage doors and stuff like that. And I called one handyman, but he said there wasn't enough work for him to do, that he wouldn't bother coming out. Do you know somebody in the Plano area that, that could come out and give me a hand?
1: Well, and you just hit the nail on the head as far as so many people don't want to make the trip out. So typically, handymen are local in the given area. So I really don't have a person in the Plano area that I can say, hey, this guy will come out and take care of that for you. But what I can help you with is how to find one.
5: Yes, would you please?
1: Sure. Uh, Typically, if you go to... a a couple of the hardware stores, and Plano has a great hardware store, Elliott's Hardware. Oh,
5: Elliott's. Okay. I know where that is.
1: You go stop over there at Elliott's and ask them about a handyman.
5: Okay.
1: They'll know one.
5: Oh, okay.
1: Now, if you go into the big, and this is for everybody listening, for your different areas, if you go into the big box stores, they're not going to know these guys. But you go into the local stores like... Elliott's Hardware right. and places right. like that. They'll know who right. these guys are and who the good ones are and not so good.
5: Right. The salesmen there are so very nice because I do write down to Elliott's for, you know, a couple of things that I need that I can do myself. Yep. But uh, but that's a good uh, good suggestion. Uh, I think I'll write down Elliott's tomorrow and uh, see if they could help me out. But in the meantime, I appreciate you taking my call. I listen to you every week, and uh, I enjoy it. And I learn a lot from it with uh, living alone, uh, how to do things. You give a lot of good hints. Ben, thank you very much. Well,
1: thank you, Barbara, and and I hope you have a a great weekend.
5: Yes, and you too, sir. Bye. Bye
1: Bye-bye. Jim, my daughter lives in a home built in the 70s, and she is seeing rust in the water When it is first turned on. One of your shows, I heard you tell a caller with a similar situation that there is a method of preserving the pipes by sandblasting or using another medium and then coating the inside of the pipes with a resin, which I believe is blown in. Can you help me out? Absolutely. If you've got the old galvanized pipes and it's it's getting to the point where it's getting... Rust in your water all the time and typically at that point your water is not flowing as good as it used to and you start getting pinhole leaks all the time. There's you, you I mean you got two choices one is you can repipe the house uh, and you can use PEX plumbing on that where it's flexible and you can just re- rerun all new lines and everything or what this uh... email question is asking about what glenn's asking about is a system called e-pipe and it's from ace Duraflow and the e-pipe system basically they take off all the fixtures and by fixtures i mean all the valves the faucets and all that sandblast through those pipes now they're not really using sand when they're doing it uh, I, they're using uh... typically i think they actually use pecan uh... shells to sandblast through the pipes to clean all the debris out. Then they blow an epoxy resin through there that coats the inside of the pipe. So now you've got a metal outside and a plastic inside. No more leaks. Water's flowing like new, and you don't have metal going on the water, so you don't have that rust situation any longer either. And this can be done whether it is the old galvanized pipes or copper pipes. Now, in other parts of texas uh galvanized is a lot more prevalent in the older homes here in North Texas, we got a lot of old copper pipes that start getting leaks in them, especially if it's touching a piece of rebar or something like that uh through electrolysis it gets ends up getting pinholes uh and the next thing you know, you got a leak or if you got the the uh copper pipes that came into the country in the seventies and into the 80s from China, that stuff was pure junk. It's not not holding up well at all. I mean, copper pipes that we put in in the 60s is outlasting the stuff that came into this country in the 80s from China. Why we keep allowing that to happen is beyond me, but that's a different show. We're talking about how to fix it here. Well, that uh, Ace Duraflow e-pipe system works wonderfully for that. And those... those uh, pipes that i'm talking about from china you know uh, amazingly where they would wear a lot is elbows and and you got to remember water running through anything is wearing on it that's i mean water running through the grand canyon is is what made that big ravine in the ground and it does the same with your pipes it's just a matter of how long is it going to last and when the pipes weren't built properly it don't last as long and that's why those Chinese pipes are wearing on us but the Ace Duraflow e-pipe system can take care of that problem for you so there's something for you to to look up if you're having that kind of problem or again just repipe the whole house using PEX and PEX is is a flexible uh, tubing type pipe and the reason I really like PEX for re-plumbing let's face it we have freezes here every year if you got metal pipes, when it freezes, the pipe bursts. It breaks the pipe, so when things thaw out, oh, now you got a big hole in the pipe. Well, PEX has some elasticity to it. And so when the water freezes in it, the pipe has the ability to expand without breaking. And so it's, it's very, very durable. Love the stuff. And I had another question that had to come in that we didn't get to where somebody had called in asking about popcorn ceilings, what to do with them. You can scrape them off, and they make some really nice scrapers nowadays. One quick trick, though, use a little spray bottle. Spray some water up there so when you're scraping it, it doesn't make so much dust. And if you use one of those scrapers that has the bag on it, everything will drop into the bag, much like a a net for, for cleaning out the swimming pool. So you just keep emptying that bag, you keep scraping, and then you can texture the ceiling. Popcorn ceilings hide a multitude of sin. If your home was built in the 70s, when when construction techniques were not that great, your ceiling may have a lot of sags and dips in it. And if you're planning on going with some of the new textures, you're probably going to end up floating that ceiling out pretty good before you can do it. You don't see it so much when you got the popcorn ceiling up there, but once you take it off, ooh, it becomes very visible and needs to be addressed. One side note: if you got a house built in like the 50s that has popcorn ceiling, it could have asbestos in it, so you got to be a little bit more careful with that. But anything past the mid 70s, you're fine. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next weekend.